Did you ever listen to one of those true crime podcasts out there and think, hey, wait a minute, I know that guy. My guest today actually has. This is the greatest story ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. This is a podcast all about collecting the craziest life experiences people have had. One person who definitely has an interesting story to tell is Landon Lucas. Landon is 18 years old and was flying an airplane with a banner behind it over Atlantic City. Suddenly, he ran into some turbulence that was severe enough it actually caused his engine to stall. He ditched the banner and headed towards Ocean City Municipal Airport, or the nearest actual airport he could find, He still had enough engine power to stay airborne, but then after about a minute or two of heading to the airport, the engine went out completely. He looked down and saw a gap in traffic on the bridge below him, so he just decided to land on the bridge. He said it wasn't the smoothest landing of his career, but it was smooth enough to get the job done. When asked if he was scared, he said being scared does nothing. He just saw there was room, so he landed. And by the way, I just noticed that he's named Landon, And he's now famous for landing an aircraft. I'll see myself out. Of course, you'd already be well aware of Landon's story if you had visited KeithConradMedia.com and signed up for my free email newsletter, The News Side Quest. You should go do that right now. My guest this week is Brad Smith. You can see him sharing dad jokes on TikTok as Uncle Brad Dad Jokes. Brad, thanks so much for joining me. It's good to be with you. And uh, you're all over the uh, the TikTok lately because uh, you're, you're trying to you're trying to reach out to the younger generations, right? Right, and and that's about the only way you can you reach out to a lot of the younger folks. They're not on Facebook, so you have to go where the people are. So uh, yeah, I've been doing uh, just some dad jokes, just to uh, inject a little humor in the world today, because I think that's one thing that we need more of is is just to to laugh and enjoy. It's a lot of a lot of negativity, a lot of harshness going on. So just trying to spread a little joy in the world. Yeah, I've noticed that right about the time I got my uh, my, my Facebook author page all set up and, and perfect and, uh, you know, feeding everything that I wanted to feed, I looked around and I was like, you know, there's not a whole lot of people on Facebook anymore. It's, it, it's mostly just brands trying to sell me stuff. Right. And either that or it's, uh, you know, grandmothers uh, sharing pictures of their grandkids. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that that's a bit of a bit of a problem too. Um, yeah, I, 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 my wife and I have uh, have decided that uh, it, we've come to terms with the fact that uh, you know probably the next step for us is getting a dog, and at that point we'll just inundate uh, social media with pictures of said dog. Right. And then after that, if we ever have a little uh, a, a little tax break of our own, uh, you know, we're going to be those people who, who just. <laughs> completely drown everyone in, in pictures we've we, we don't like it but we've come to terms with the fact that that's eventually in our future yeah well the last week my wife and i we babysat um our our two nieces who are 12 and 11 and in that week i have come to dis- to discover you know what you can keep your tax break i'm perfectly fine just uh, <laughs> just by myself me and my wife it's a lot quieter you can just you can just keep that tax break i'm perfectly happy right where i'm at yeah i mean you know like uh we're we're you know i mean me and my wife are you know 40 ish you know probably pushing the the point where it'd be maybe a, a little bit uh 
you know, we're, we're a little bit older to be having uh, having kids. And uh, I think we've kind of come to that conclusion that like the most difficult part about having kids would not be like the financial end of it or actually learning how to keep a tiny human alive. It would actually be the fact that it would just completely uproot our uh, our, our lives that we've spent, you know, several decades digging ourselves little ruts and we don't want to get out of them. You know, what you get to a certain age where, and I'm, I'm that way. I am absolutely that way. I am completely set in my ways, even to the point where I really don't like even traveling much anymore. There are a couple of places I would love to go and, and, and love to see. Um, but for the most part, I, I like my bed. I like my chair. I like my bathroom, like everything the way it is. And you can ask my wife, I'm, I'm, I do not deal with change very well. Yeah, yeah. I, and that's I, what kids yeah. are. Kids is just constant change and constant chaos. Yeah, yeah. That the constant chaos is a is a pretty good uh, way to describe it, especially when I look at my uh, at at my my brother and his wife and, and their house. It's like a it's like a a toy store just exploded in there, and that yeah. that would, that alone would would drive me kind of nuts. I mean, it's good, and I'm sure you know you, when you visit, you 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 spend time with your your net. I don't know if they have a niece, a boy or a girl, whatever, but it, you know spend some time with them, even spend the night, you know, have a weekend, even a week, week was a little bit long, but then they get to go home and it's like, okay, you know, you really appreciate the peace that you had, uh, before then. Yes, exactly. So, um, it, I, I took a couple of weeks off from uh, the Greatest Story Ever podcast because I was working on a double secret uh, project that I'm not, uh, I'm not in a position to actually announce yet. But uh, it should be uh, really cool. But anyway, in the last episode, I was uh, I was talking to actually a mutual friend of ours, uh, Dr. Julie Ferris, about the time that uh, she was whacked upside the head by a two by four in a uh, in a parking lot. And that's the sort of thing that, uh, you know, you'd, you'd only expect to have happen in a in a small town. And uh, that that's you're you're going to continue with that uh, same small town theme. Right. And, you know, because I've listened to episodes uh, of your podcast and a lot of them are about a larger cities, uh, adventures in Chicago and, and different places like that. So I wanted to offer up maybe a different perspective about small town life in rural Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And um, we were discussing before we, we started that I, I still live in the little town that I grew up in. Uh, I have moved you know, different places. I lived in Nashville for a while, lived in Huntsville for a while, uh, but have returned here. And this is where I serve uh, as pastor of two uh, small rural congregations and a little town called Elkton, Tennessee. And uh, if you've ever traveled the I-65 corridor mm-hmm. between Nashville and Birmingham, then you've gone past Elkton's right there off of exit six and I-65. And you know, there's some debate because I've seen people talk on the Internet about, you know, what's a small town? What is not a small town? And uh, uh, I heard one person say, well, you know, I live in a small little town. We only have one target. And I said, you know, if you have a target, you're not in a small town. Uh, <laughs> we have, you know, when I say small town, I mean, we're about 400 to 500 people. There are no traffic lights. Right. We have three gas stations and a Dollar General. 
Uh, and the Dollar General just came in maybe about five years ago. Uh, the post office, city hall, and an ambulance station is all in one building. And that building is smaller than the Dollar General. So this is the kind of small town we're talking about. Uh, if you've ever watched uh, old reruns of Andy Griffin, it, it's very much like Mayberry. I would even dare say it's smaller than than Mayberry, if you can imagine that. But what I wanted to, to talk about, two different stories that are connected in Elkton. Um, and one is that um, when I grew up in Elkton, I'm a child of the 80s. Um, and in the 70s and 80s and biggest part of the 90s, Elkton had two things. There were churches mm-hmm. and there were beer joints. Now, we have to understand what the term beer joint means because we're not talking about, a, a, you know, the nice local pub uh, or, you know, the Cheers type place. This was, you know, these are pretty rough places. Uh, and the reason there were so many is because all the surrounding counties uh, in northern Alabama and in southern Middle Tennessee were all dry at that time. Right. You could not purchase alcohol. Yeah, and I mean, so, really, when you think about, uh, you know, I only lived in in North Alabama, but uh, you know, most of of the Huntsville area was was dry until like the mid nineties. So yeah, yeah it's, it's it, not it, been that, that long ago. Yeah. It's hard to believe because it's really kind of exploded now. And, and in Huntsville, uh, you've got all kinds of breweries and, 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 and it's really nice that, that that has happened. But, you know, back in the eighties, you know, beer joints, if you wanted to go have a drink, that was about all you could do. And, and you couldn't even get liquor by the drink. It was just beer. Mm-hmm. So people would come over and, you know, Elkton, the population of Elkton would go from, let's say, 400 to probably closer to 1,000, 1,500. I mean, it was just people pouring in. And these were not good places. <laughs> this was not a place. These, these are not family-friendly kind of places. And probably the most famous or the most infamous, one that, that when I tell people that I'm from Elkton, if they've ever heard of Elkton, it's because of one particular club that was known as the Booby Bungalow Gentlemen's Club. Oh yes, if you're ever, as you said, if you're ever driving like the the I sixty five corridor between uh, between Nashville and Birmingham, you've definitely, if nothing else, you've seen a billboard. You've seen, and it actually became a meme because there's a billboard, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's between uh, here and Nashville if you're going southbound on I-65. And at the top, it's a, it's a double billboard. The top billboard says something along the lines of the blood of Christ cleanseth all sin. And it uses the the King James the th- at the end there. So you know they're serious. Right. And then down at the bottom, it's Big Jim's Booby Bungalow. And it has a, a cartoon picture of a woman on a stripper pole. So, uh, and, and I've seen that meme uh, going around. I've seen it on Facebook and in and, and different places on the internet. So, uh, and, and you know what? When I when I've seen that uh, that billboard, my first thought is, I wonder who drew that. Like, like you know, probably like sixty years ago, there was there was some artist that was actually hired to draw that. I, you know, it, probably a trucker because it was right next to the truck <laughs> uh, truck stop, and it's like here, you know, you get a free lap dance if you draw us a nice uh, logo for the uh, for the club there. Could and be. uh it, it's in small towns right 
And, uh, you know, the, there was a sign on the building. It's not there anymore. The building is still there, but the, the business is closed. It closed years ago. Uh, it said it was world famous. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely infamous around here. But one night, just out of the blue, I uh, just out of sheer boredom, was on YouTube and I think, you know, I just I just wonder what would happen if I just typed in booby bungalow and mm. click. I, I and hope lo and behold cognito window, just so you know, no one would ever <laughs> basically as a pastor, you know, you have to be really careful what you what you're searching there. But and lo and behold, there was a a country singer, not a not one that anyone had ever heard of. I think his name is Stephen Simmons. I can't exactly remember, but he, of course, lit, being a country music, an aspiring country music singer, lived in Nashville and was probably doing shows in Birmingham. So, you know, in your car, driving I-65, going south to Birmingham and come across the Booby Bungalow. Well, I mean, obviously, it's a very poetic name. Uh, it, it, it's very uh, inspiring artistically. So he wrote a song called the Booby Bungalow Gentleman's Club. Now, that's funny enough on its own. The video that's on YouTube, and you can actually go if you 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 can Google it or YouTube it or whatever. He is performing this song somewhere in Norway. So a country music singer from Nashville singing about the gentleman's club here in Elkton in Norway. That that just shows how small the world has gotten in the twenty first century. It really has. It it really is. It really is amazing. So, you know, when I tell people that I'm from Elkton, you know, it, it's one of two things. It's either the bungalow, and then here recently with the increase or the 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 popularity of these murder television shows like um, uh, in, uh, Discovery, Investigated Discovery, or Oxygen Channel, and then the the murder uh, podcasts. Yeah, did did you know Netflix has true crime shows? Imagine that. I you, I never knew that. My God, um, but one that has made its rounds is a story that is was happened here in Elkton, and it's Pete and Pat Bonduren, mm-hmm. and these were two guys that were born and raised here, and uh, this was in 1986, I believe. So I would have been six years old at the time. And they lived in a house, actually it was right across the street from the, the bungalow. And uh, these were, they were really, you know, enormous guys, but they were twins. And they were both well over 300 pounds, big dudes. And they were mean. And uh, they dealt drugs out of their house. Like I said, this was a time when, you know, this was not, you know, a, a small town, family friendly atmosphere. It was, it was kind of a rough place to live. And... They uh, murdered at least two people. Uh, they were convicted of uh, the the brother Pat was convicted of murder of uh, one girl, and uh, his brother Pete, I think, was convicted of being an accomplice because they murdered her, and I think they murdered someone else. They cut up the bodies and burnt down the house that that. Uh, the person lived in. So, you know, needless to say, this became fairly infamous um, 
here in this community. Mm-hmm. So flash forward to about 2016. Uh, Pat received a life sentence because he's the one that they convicted of actually doing the murder. His brother, Pete, got 25 years for being an accomplice. So this was 1991 when they were convicted. So he was released from prison in 2016. Mm-hmm. I became pastor at Elkton United Methodist in 2014. So one Sunday morning, and it was, I remember it was the, the first Sunday of the month because our church, we have a um, potluck on the first Sunday of each month, as a lot of small churches do, especially here in the South. Mm-hmm. So we're getting ready for service. And uh, it, it, needless to say, it's a small community. It's a small church. We have anywhere from 25 to 30 people. So everybody knows everybody. It's not something that you can sneak in on Sunday morning and say, you know, and just kind of go to service and then walk out unnoticed. You're going to be noticed. Right. So this man walks in and I look at him and I think, I know this face, I know him from somewhere. I just could not put a finger on it. So I go to one of my parishioners and, uh, cause he had already gone up to him and, 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 you know, it's, Oh, Hey, I haven't seen you in a long time and, and whatnot. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Right. And, and I said, who is that? And he said, that's Pete Bondurant. And my face, I know I just went pale. And, uh, you know, so what do you do? You know, you have, a murderer or at least an accomplice in your church. So, you know, these are the things that they don't really train you for in seminary. You know, uh, you learn how to lead music. You learn how to, you know, craft a sermon. You don't learn what to do when a murderer walks in and uh, wants to come to church. But, you know, I'm very proud of my people. They were very welcoming. Um, And, uh, you know, he, we we sat and we talked and he said, you know, I've, you know, when I was in prison, I, I've, I found Jesus and I've come, you know, I'm, I was, you know, paid my dues and, and whatever. But, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you don't really, needless to say, expect. And, uh, you know, especially here in a small town, but uh, you never know what, what can happen. Yeah. Um you know, so suddenly you found yourself in the middle of one of those true kind documentaries that, uh, and it was just after though all those had come out because I think there was one on. I mean, there were several different ones. I think there was one called Evil Twins. Uh, there was one called Killer Siblings. They had all come out, and so people were watching them because I mean, it happens here in, in the local community. So people, a lot of the people, my mother uh, grew up here. She remembered all this happening. I was a kid right. at the time and really didn't fully understand what had happened until later. And so, you know, it all had come out, you know, here in the, in the last, uh, at that time, the last few months. And then all of a sudden here, here they are, here he is. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting to say the least. Yeah, I would, I would think so. I think that the closest I could possibly come to a situation like that is, um, uh, you know, making a murderer was the big true crime thing. You know what, probably close to 10 years ago at this point. And that was during the uh, the, the Stephen Avery uh, case, and and that just happened to have coincided with 
when I lived in Milwaukee. So I never came like face to face with anybody involved in that. But as I was watching it, like I recognized all of the all of the elected officials and, uh, you know, like all the news people covering it. I was kind of like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme. Uh, right. That, so exactly. That, yeah. Never quite up close and personal with it, though. That that's yeah. that's pretty amazing. But I mean, you you would have to think, you know, if, if the town is only you know four five hundred people, there's literally like a murder, and uh, <laughs> and if um, you know they're they're going to get out of jail, yeah, you'd probably run into them. Yeah, and well, it, it is a it, it is a, you know at least a little you know, heartwarming to, you know, see that maybe the, the guy did turn his life around that. That is good to see. And and he did, he, he seemed to be, you know, in, in a good, as well as you can be, uh, in a good position. Uh, he doesn't live here in, in Elkton. He actually lives in, in Decatur, Alabama, which is about 45 minutes away. Uh, but just, this is where he, this was the church where he grew up and he wanted to come back. And, and he asked me if I, if he could come back and I said, well, yeah, you know, you're welcome here. And, you know, we, if we believe in grace and we believe in forgiveness, then we have to show it to everyone, even those who are somewhat infamous. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing a story of uh, small town intrigue and redemption. Yes. Well, I, I appreciate you having me. I, I when you invited me, I thought, well, he must have run out of people to uh, to ask if if he's asking me to tell a story. No, I, I think uh, I think you you stepped up to the plate with a good one. Well, I appreciate you having me. If you think you can top Brad's epic tale, shoot me an email at greateststoryeverpodcast at gmail dot com. Cabatron.